You're listening to 99.1 WIUX LP Bloomington. Welcome to this week's episode of American Student Radio. Hey, Taylor Haggerty. Hey, Catherine De La Rosa. What are we doing? We're hosting this week's episode. What are we talking about? Uh, this week, we're talking all about hair. From Bloom... <laughs> From... Uh, again, live... live... What is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is... This is... This is American Student Radio. Real chill. Real chill. Aliens. Conspiracy. Journalism. And lesbians. So, hair. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so last semester we did a show all about femininity, but there was one piece that talked a little bit about hair, and all of our producers got really, really excited, and everyone started pitching different ideas of ways to approach the topic of hair, so we decided this semester we'd have an entire show dedicated solely to that subject. So, hair. (laughs) All the hair on all the people. Queer people, people of color, boys and girls, and everyone in between. All the hair on those people's heads, and sometimes not. (laughs) We've got a lot of really great pieces this episode. And like this first one, it's mine. I made it. Taylor interviewed a cool person who covers her hair every day. Here's the story. Sharuk Ahmed is a second-year PhD student in the Department of Criminal Justice at Indiana University. She has worn a hijab every day since she was 19. So when I first started putting it on, it looked like a tapestry <laughs> on me. But then I, you know, I eventually get the hang of it. I just find myself wrapping it in a certain way, and it just kind of sticks for a while. A hijab is a headscarf traditionally worn by some Muslim women. Sharuk wears hers wrapped over her head and twice around her neck, with extra fabric hanging down on either side. I really like the scarves that have, like, a really nice um, fabric, mm-hmm. but they're plain so that I can just, like, wear them with anything. Currently, wearing a hijab is controversial. Western media perpetuate the idea that the headscarf is restrictive or oppressive to women. But Sharuk says that isn't true. Her hijab is another way to express herself. Right now, I feel like I have, like, cream-colored hair. The other day, I had green hair. To me, like, that's how it feels. Sharuk says wearing the hijab makes her feel comfortable. She doesn't have to worry about what other people see when they look at her. I have my hair, and if I can style it, then that's what I want to do. Like, I can still admire myself. I have friends that will see it, like, if we hang out. But the first and foremost audience that I am taking into account is myself. According to Sharuk, plenty of women who wear a hijab also dye their hair and style it beneath the headscarf. Just because the public world can't see what their hair looks like doesn't mean they don't experiment to find something they think looks beautiful. Sharuk hasn't dyed her hair yet, but she's considering it. I wanted to have, like, super blonde ends so that I could take blue or pink and just keep dyeing it. And then I realized everybody around me, they all had that same color. And I was just so turned off. Like, I don't care what people see. It's what I see when I look in the mirror. It's what I know I I am. And I don't want to look like anybody else. I don't want to look like the other hijabis. I'm still my own person. This has been true before hijab. It's true now. The hijab isn't meant to hide beauty, Shuruk says. Instead, it is another way to express personality and individuality. Some people, even within my religion, when they interpret that they should be dressed modestly, they take it as like, oh, well, I I can't be pretty, I can't be eye-catching. It's like, no, I mean, we just want to look presentable, and there's nothing that says we can't do that. And I just wish maybe people would know that, like, we're not trying to look ugly. 
Each time I met Sharuk, her hijab was coordinated to match the rest of her outfit. She says she works hard to look her best when she goes out in public, just like everyone else. It does get difficult sometimes, because clothing here in the United States doesn't cater to the more modest styles that most Muslim Americans seek out. Hijabis could have gotten a degree in fashion or something, because we have to be really crafty. We have to get really creative. That's what I think people should think about when they think of hijab. It's a very creative endeavor. The hijab itself is a lot like hair, Sharuk says. No two women wear it the same, from the way they wrap it to the style of the scarf. While some may choose to cover everything from their hair to their chest and even parts of their face, other women will adapt it to be loose and open. There is no the hijab. The religious concept of hijab, yeah, that, that exists. But as far as fashion goes, like on that, I guess, superficial level, there is no the hijab. When Sharuk first decided to wear the hijab, her parents disagreed with her. They thought it would hurt her professionally, and she might be discriminated against by potential employers. My mom was telling me that my hair is actually really nice, so it's a really big deal that I cover it. But I'm just like, that has nothing to do with the decision to put it on. The decision to wear a hijab isn't an easy one. In the United States, as well as many other parts of the world, such visible proof of Islamic faith can result in serious danger. But even on a smaller scale, Sharuk says it makes her stand out. She's learned to ignore the stares of other people. Still, wearing a hijab is one way that she reminds herself to behave in a way that is honorable to her faith. I need to remind myself of what my real goals are here. Don't make an idiot of yourself. Make sure to respect people. Don't be too vulgar. It just helps me to remember. But still, it's also just a piece of clothing, like the physical part of it. It isn't always easy. Sometimes she finds herself rethinking the decision to wear it. Because sometimes you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you're like, are you sure you want to cover this up? It's like when your computer keeps like giving you those pop-ups. Are you sure you want to delete this? Are you sure you want to cover up? Yeah. Just remember what you really want to do, why you're really here, and it'll be fine. Sharuk also finds confidence from other women in her life who have chosen to wear a hijab. At events such as weddings or bridal showers, when all the men have left, Sharuk and her friends will remove their hijabs and spend time together uncovered. When they take off their scarves, I'm like, holy crap, you can't recognize anybody. They'll say hi, and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. Like, I probably know you for like eight years now, but like, I, I need to ask you what your name is because I'm not sure. Sharuk says she gets the best of both worlds by wearing her hijab. She can cover her hair and dress modestly to honor her faith and earn respect, while still experimenting with new hairstyles and colors to see the person that she wants to be when she looks in the mirror. I feel like there are so many ways for me to express myself through my clothing. And yeah, I mean, it, of course, I'm not going to lie to you, and it's very obvious, it does limit you. But like I feel today like I dress the way that I felt this morning. Despite the way most Americans currently view Muslims, Sharuk hopes they will learn to see her and people like her as creative individuals finding new ways to be beautiful. You're definitely going to have that flash of, like, people in black. And then you might start thinking, like, oh, but I do know that one girl. Oh, but I do know that one person. When really, the first thing that should come to anybody's mind is just a bunch of colorful people. With American Student Radio at Indiana University, I'm Taylor Haggerty. So that piece is probably my favorite that I've ever done. Uh, Sharuk was really well-spoken, and both of the interviews that I had with her went really, really well. Um, I learned a lot from talking with her, but I think the quote that sticks out the most with me is the one that she says at the end, where she says, when you think of Muslim people, think of colorful people. Uh, speaking of color and of people, I also spoke to a person who had hair. At the time, it was purple, but who knows what it looks like now. A lot of queer people choose to express their gender and sexual nonconformity through their hair. 
from the classic image of a butch lesbian to genderqueer folk, both masculine and feminine of center. Uh, my name is Diana. I am 19 years old. I'm a second year student here at IU, and uh, I identify as a cisgendered woman who is also queer and asexual, or asexual spectrum. And uh, I have had non-traditionally feminine hair for about two years now. When I talked to Diana, her hair was a faded purple, and she had an undercut, kind of. I'm actually currently growing out an undercut, which is a pretty typical, like, um, I, I hate to say, like, queer haircut, but a lot of queer people tend to yeah. gravitate towards, like, the longer on top and the shorter on the sides. I'm actually growing that out from the summer. Before Diana reached this stage of queer, alternative lifestyle hair, she went through high school with naturally brown, mermaid-length hair. Because I felt like that was uh, something that like I like should do, that's what something people should strive for. So I think that that was more of like like how I interpreted people wanted me to be, rather than like how I wanted to be. And then cutting it off was definitely like a liberation for me. As for hair color, Diana started dyeing her hair conventionally before moving on to green, white, rainbow, and the purple hair she has now. When I met her a year ago, she had pink hair. Each time I dye my hair, it lasts roughly a month or two, uh, just depending on like what, what my finances are like and how long the dye stays in my hair and all kinds of stuff like that. So it varies a little bit from color to color. I do it completely myself. So I, I you know, I own the bleach and I, I go and I get the hair dye myself. And I, sometimes a friend will help me like with spots I can't see or like, like I'll do a, I'll help you dye your hair if you help me dye my hair kind of thing. Um, but typically, yeah, it's just a one woman show. That hair dyeing reciprocity goes to show hair's importance to queer community. I asked Diana if she ever recognizes other queer people by their hair, whether they have undercuts like I do or crazy colors like she does. There's almost sort of like an extra respect there for people. So like if I see like people who are very obviously like if they're very obviously queer people or they very obviously have like interesting hair or just interesting things physically about them in general, I feel sort of like a more of a connection to them because I also like express that in my identity and the way that I present myself. And so there's almost like a camaraderie about like people, even if I don't know the people, just sort of like a like a I see you kind of thing. It's it's nice. Diana said that her hair helps her feel more like herself. It's just one part of how she expresses her identity to the world, and she sees it changing as she does. I definitely see myself like for the for the future, like continuing to have short hair, but like how I choose to present that short hair may change depending on how my identities change. So like for example, my professional identity may affect how I dye my hair and things like that. Um, just you know, in terms of looking forward. If we look way forward, do you imagine yourself as a blue-haired grandmother? Maybe. I could see that. I could be like a, a cool, like, a cool grandma. <laughs> the music for the story was created by Poddington Bear with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial International License. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Catherine De La Rosa. Yep, that's the piece. Uh, one thing I, that didn't make it into that piece was me reiterating that all hair that is on queer heads is queer hair, because I used to have a lot more hair than I do now, but I was still super gay then, so it doesn't matter how you choose to deal with your hair. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize that like it's not so much the style of the hair as it is like the personality of the person wearing it, you know? Yep. 
Um, so at this point, we've talked about people who have hair and choose to cover it up, and we've talked about people who choose to dye their hair all kinds of crazy colors. But up next, we have a discussion on the ins and outs of having curly hair in a culture that really values straight hair. Two of our producers, Carter Barrett and Sheila Raghavendran, sat down to talk about the real-life struggles of having curly hair. Okay, so it's me, Carter Barrett, and I'm here with... Me, Sheila Raghavendran. And we're talking about curly hair today because... We both have it. Yeah, and it's it's been a lifetime struggle. Definitely, and I think it's something that's grown on me. So, yeah, I've had really curly hair my whole life. Um, and when I was really little, like, I remember my mom would try to brush it and I would be, like, screaming because it hurt so bad because it was always tangled. Um... And eventually my mom just started, like, braiding it every day. And so, like, I would have, like, two pigtails every single day. And this was, like, from as far back as I can remember up until, like, seventh grade. Like, I was 13 years old and my mom was still braiding my hair every morning. And I got to this point where I was like, okay, like, we can't do this anymore, mom. Like, I I need to take care of my own hair. I can't have my mom brushing my hair every morning and so she was like all right um but it was like this big moment for me and like I threw this big tantrum and I was like mom I just I need something else and she was like okay I guess I'll take you to the salon and so we went um and yeah and so they cut my hair and um yeah and they kind of like told me what to put in it they were like yeah like get some leave-in conditioner and and you'll be good and I was like yeah okay and like it took me a while to kind of like get used to it um but, yeah, so then I started wearing my hair down, um, and then I got it cut, like, trimmed a few more times, like, throughout high school, but basically it was the same, like, general length, like, shoulder length. Um, yeah, and then I came into college, and it was, like, that same length that it was in high school, and then in, like, May of last year, I, like, chopped it all off. I got, like, six inches off, um, and, like, now it's really short, and this is the shortest it's been since I was really little. Um, but, yeah, I like it a lot now. Um, because when it was longer, when it was, like, shoulder length, it was just, like, a lot of hair. And if I was having, like, a frizzy day, it was just everywhere, and I couldn't control it at all. But now I don't even, like, think about my hair because it's just, it's just like, I, I can, like, barely feel it anymore. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool, too, because when I was little, it, I felt like it was kind of like a burden because it took forever, and, like, my mom would have to brush it, and it was just, like, this entire process. But now it's like I wake up, and I shower, and I put some cream in it, and I'm good. Like, I barely have to do anything. Um, so it's kind of ironic, like, the transition from it taking a really long time to now it takes me, like, five minutes. So, yeah. yeah. How about you? Yeah, so um, for when I was, like, really, really little, like, before I can remember, I did actually didn't have hair. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it took a really long time for my hair to, like, grow in. <laughs> and, um, but, like, once it did, it came in really, really curly. It's kind of the same thing. Like, that's not really in my family. Oh, see, yeah. for me it is. Yeah. My mom has really curly hair. Um, my sister, when she was little, had really straight hair, and then it started getting more curly. And now it's it's less curly than mine, but it's still, like, relatively curly. But my mom, hers is tighter than mine. Yeah. Yeah. See, no one in my family quite had seen anything like really? this. Yeah. And so, same thing. Like, my mom tried to brush it, didn't really know what to do with it. And I, I remember very, like... This is something specific I remember. It's um, when I was, like, maybe it was, like, first grade kindergarten, and I was at my friend's house, and she wanted to braid my – or not braid, um, brush my hair. And it, the brush got stuck in my hair for four hours. Oh. 
and we you had to like eat, pick it out like, like princess diary style yeah 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 <laughs> just like that and um and then in middle school like I really really hated my curly hair even though growing up like every adult was like oh can I like exactly. like have your hair I can like, I take it yeah no same and I was like yeah take it because uh it looks different than everybody else's hair everybody straightened their hair and I went through like a good maybe like two years where I straight oh straight my hair every single day like straight and now I like can't imagine ever doing that again because it's horrible yeah I'm sure it took you forever yeah yeah it would take probably an hour an hour and a half like yeah and like I mean but even after I stopped doing that and I embraced the curly hair a little bit more it's like I said the same thing I had really long hair like probably like past boobs like kind of in that region yeah, yeah but not like waist because yeah. that'd be kind of gross that's, that's long. <laughs> yeah and um <laughs> and I it was just yeah like all over the place yeah. and, like if it's like a sweaty day like oh my god yeah, <laughs> there's no. just so much fur yeah. like <laughs> like pray there's no humidity because yeah because yeah. it's just everywhere yeah, yeah. And so that was – but I'd say my, like, revolutionary haircut, because I went through a lot of bad haircuts. A lot of bad people didn't know how to cut curly hair, would, like, straighten it and then cut it, which is, like – actually that's just, like, a sin if you ask anybody who, like, knows what they're doing. <laughs> and so I went through, like, a lot of those. But then I finally, like, went to this lady who had been, like, trained specifically, like, a stylist who has been trained specifically to cut curly hair, and that was, like, a revolution. Like, <laughs> How did she do it differently? Well, first off, she, like – cut it dry so that like the curl is still there and you can see how each piece of hair essentially lays because it's not like straight hair where they all lay flat and then you kind of get like a triangle head situation Mm -hmm. yeah and then I also got it's grown out now but um I had I got it dyed and she like knew how to specifically dye curly hair which is different apparently and it had to do with like getting it so it like wraps around yeah it was yeah and I was like and we have like the exact same like hair color hair texture so like I trust her yeah I trust her with all my hair (laughs) that's awesome yeah I um my hairdresser person is it is that what they're called yeah okay um she yeah she also has curly hair and her daughter has curly hair so she knows how to cut curly hair so it's like thank you (laughs) yeah um and do you ever get like people I guess this is my next question I guess like do you ever get people who want to like I don't know like I hate it when people are like, can I straighten your hair? Oh, yeah, all the time. Like, I have people, a few people have actually, like, done it. But I, I've had people so many times that were just like, oh, my God, like, one day I'm just going to straighten your hair. And I'm like, can you not? But also, like, I don't believe that you're going to do it. Um, but one time, a couple years ago in high school, uh, there were these girls in my class and like I was friends with them like in that class like we weren't really friends outside of it but they were like wow your hair is so curly we're gonna straighten it one day and I was like okay like cool yeah but then one day this girl brought a straightener to school yeah and then she we got to class and she plugged it in and she started straightening my hair and I was just like I was like I let her but I was kind of like this is the strangest thing that's ever happened and then like 10 minutes later the teacher looks over and is like you can't have a straightener in school like that's a weapon you can't have that it was like there was like one part of it and then um later I like went to the bathroom and tried to like get it wet to like get it to curl back up and it wouldn't and I was like this would happen to me um but yeah so I just had to like put it up in a ponytail and kind of hide it for the rest of the day but I mean it was fine I was just I was like shocked that she actually went through with it I was like good for you girl (laughs) but yeah it took a really long time because I remember she did that one strand like 
multiple times because it wasn't really working. Um, but yeah, so people have tried to straighten my hair a couple times. I've only ever done it like all the way, like once or twice. My sister did it, and it took like two and a half hours. So that that's why most people don't actually go through with it because yeah. no yeah. one has that kind it's of patience. A, a it really is. Um, I also just yeah. really don't like my hair straight. I just don't feel like Me it either. looks right. I feel so like out of my body I don't know it's just yeah, like yeah. I look in the mirror and I'm like hmm, what's funny yeah, yeah you're like who is that yeah. I don't like that person yeah. as much yeah. I feel like my curly hair is so central to my identity in a yeah. lot of ways that I just like if it I didn't have it like if it was if it was straight I don't know I feel like that wouldn't be right for me it was hard when I was younger because I didn't know what to do with it but now that I figured it out it's really easy so I guess yeah. it just for curly hair it just takes kind of figuring out how your hair works and then getting into a routine of it yeah and I I don't I feel like anybody with curly hair will basically say like oh like I had to figure this out yeah yeah like it's a process yeah exactly I also want to talk about like because I'm like I'm white and I have curly hair but like I feel like it's a whole nother thing to talk about like ethnicity and curly hair yeah I get a lot of people because okay I don't know I feel like I'm pretty obviously Indian but I get a lot of people who come up to me and they're like well like they don't come up to me but a lot of people don't know what ethnicity I am and and they and like sometimes I I ask them to like say what they think or like what like they're considering just because I don't know I find it interesting to see what people think I am but I like I don't know people have said things like all across the board and they're like I just can't peg you because of your hair Mm -hmm. and I'm like really okay yeah but um I don't know. I guess because it's like, it's like frizzier than a lot of Indian hair, and a lot of Indian people don't have curly hair. A lot of people have straight hair, um, and so I guess that just throws people off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's very strange. But I think it's different for me because my mom has such curly hair. So like, I see her and I'm like, well, yeah, that's where I got it. Um, so it, it like makes sense for me. It clicks. But yeah, like I don't know. People think I'm like all sorts of ethnicities because of my hair. So yeah. it's strange. Yeah. People just ask me if I'm Jewish, (laughs) which I'm not, but but. I don't know. It's definitely interesting because curly hair is like, I don't know, it's one of those things that like spans ethnicities, Mm -hmm. you know, like someone of any ethnicity could have curly hair. Um, So it's just interesting. Oh, do people ever ask you if your hair is natural? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I did I didn't get a perm if that's what you're yeah, wondering. Yeah. Like I don't know. I think I think for some time like people thought that like every morning I would get up and like curl my hair. Oh, and I'm like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people thought that about me too, but I feel like that I'm confused because that that's like a very different look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like when you when you and I've actually like curled my hair before yeah, I've because tried. it it gives it more like fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And but I'm like, that take a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like, ain't nobody got time for that. No, <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, once again, I'm Carter, and and I'm Sheila, and this has been our curly hair discussion. So fun. Well, get back to the curly hair show, and I'm sure there's other good things to talk about. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> yeah. Bye. So, um, one thing that I really like about that piece that stuck out to me is that Carter found someone who specifically knows how to work with curly hair, and it's never occurred to me that maybe when you go to a salon, the person doing your hair should know how to work with curly hair. Like, it's never occurred to me that there are different ways to work with it. 
Uh, I don't know. My salon, they like have, there's like two like head stylists and one of them on her bio says, especially trained for curly hair. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. See, now as someone like, I have curly hair as well. So yeah. I'm like, I need to track down one of those people to do my hair. Because <laughs> I mean, we all have those times where we go to a hairstylist who maybe like doesn't know how to work with our hair, or, like doesn't work very well with our hair. And then we end up with some terrible haircuts. Actually, that's what our mid-credits are about this week. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to American Student Radio. We broadcast from WIUX 99.1 FM in Bloomington every Sunday at noon. This week, we asked our producers to tell us about their worst haircut. Um, My worst hair in my entire lifetime was the hair I had for the first 16 years of my life because I went to Catholic school and I had like long hair that like parted like either to the side or in the middle that was like stick straight because that's what you would do in a Catholic school full of white people and now I have a very gay undercut so. My sister and I went to our hairdresser and we got a ton of feathers put on our hair. People were like you look like Willy Wonka and I was like I don't want to do this anymore. So basically, one time I had extensions when I was really little. My dad was actually, um, he was cutting off the extensions for me, and he was talking on the phone when he was doing it. So he just um, sort of just cut off my real hair. He just kind of kept cutting because he thought it was like shorter and shorter. And then he would stop because he's like, oh, okay, I'm done. And my mom was like, you cut off almost half her hair. I actually never got my hair cut since that day. I remember when I was in seventh grade, I used to have really, you know, long emo hair. And I loved my hair so much. And then one day my parents had me go get a haircut. And the lady cut it so short that when I went home and I looked at it, I cried so hard because this thing that was so important to my youth was gone. But looking back, I probably would have punched myself because the haircut that I had is exactly the haircut that I have now. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to American Student Radio. This week's episode is all about hair. I'm Taylor Haggerty, and I'm co-hosting this week with the lovely Catherine De La Rosa. We're about halfway through our programming, but we've got plenty more good pieces coming up. First, we're going to take a couple minutes to talk to our other executive producer, Sophia Salaby, who's in studio with us and just got her first haircut in Bloomington yesterday. Woo! Um, yeah, basically... Um... I intended to do a piece, but uh, I realized I bit off more than I can chew because it was an extremely long haircut. Um, but it was kind of an amazing experience. It was a little bit of everything. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to start with like the? Be- do you want me to start from the beginning? <laughs> I mean, it's a very good place to start. Yeah, the beginning's typically a good place to start out for storytelling. So. Um, normally when it comes to like people who are doing like service jobs or doing like hairstylist things, like they want to make like the customer is always right. And basically start out with this woman, um, basically tell me what I was doing wrong with my hair, which is something I've never heard before. And it, w- it really caught me off guard. I was like, what is going on? What, what were you doing wrong with your hair that she called you out on? Well, okay. I have curly hair. Another, another person with curly hair in the studio. Um, and... So basically, 
she was like, well, the bottom, like the bottom part or like the inside part of your hair is like really nice, really curly, but the top part is super dry, which I was like, yeah, that is a weird thing. And she was like, you realize basically, um, this is like an entire lesson in the science of hair, this haircut, uh, cotton pillowcases, they are meant to suck in moisture. So if you condition your hair at night and, uh, put like product in it and sleep on it wet, which is what I do, and then go to sleep on a cotton pillowcase, that cotton is like just being like taking all that water out. So that's why my hair is so dry. So, um, I have like a whole list of checklist of things that I need to do. And that includes, um, buying a silk or satin pillowcase, uh, <laughs> fancy that I know. So I'm going to, I'm going to just going to look so fancy now with my silk and satin pillowcase. I have to brush my hair out before I take a shower. Um, we should check back and see if I'm doing all these things in like a month, but in the hair part two in the hair part two episode, <laughs> but it was just, it was really enjoyable. Like I said, it was a really long haircut. I got to sit finally in one of those space age, like it's like, yes. Oh, you've never done that before. No, because I've never gotten my hair dyed. I've never like, I've always just get the trim. Like I never do anything weird. I love those things. My curls always look so nice after I've been sitting in one. Cause it's not as like. It's not like a hair dryer where it like straightens it out as it's blowing it. It's very much like your curls just sit and then it dries them. It's wonderful. It was, it was just an experience. I, she was like, "Yeah, you get to sit in that." I was like, "I get to sit in that." <laughs> and I had uh, a picture taken of me in it, and I was like living that '50s housewife fantasy, reading a magazine, eat, drinking some water. Um, you know how it is. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? What's what's your guys' most recent haircut? I actually. Don't get my hair cut very often. The last time I got my hair cut was, I think, spring break of last semester. And it was just because it had gotten too long and it had a lot of dead ends and started to feel dry. So I was like, well, just chop a few inches off. And I haven't gotten it cut since then. So we're back to the place where I have a lot of split ends and dead ends and it's dry. And I'm like, I should probably cut a couple inches off, but I haven't yet. I get my hair cut. I try to get my hair cut every other week because it's very short and because... Uh, speaking of ethnic hair, not like ethnic hair, like the aisle at Walmart that has natural hair products, but like, uh, East Asian hair in speaking very generally, like it's, it grows out, sticks straight. So there's like this weird in between point for short haired, like East Asian people where it sticks like straight out of your head, like a a porcupine. (laughs) And then it gets to a length where it will be weighed down, but I don't want to ever get to the point where it looks like that. So I go every other week and me and my stylist are like bros and I just hop on the chair for like five minutes because she just shaves down like the undercut short part and then I leave. And I mean, it's not free, obviously, because that'd be crazy. But my hair cutting experience is very boring and regular. One thing um, I thought was interesting that Kelly, the hairstylist that I just went to, talked about is that she kind of sees her role in that um, we don't really experience intimate touch very often, like in like a non-romantic or non-sexual way or like a comforting touch. So she's like kind of sees herself as like a motherly figure in a way because like like who else like massages your head and gives you shampoo other than your mom when you're a kid, like your hairstylist. And it was like a really different way of thinking about like their kind of role in your life. So, like, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I definitely, like, there's a sense of that sort of, like, closeness and intimacy because, like, you're letting them do what they want with your hair. And, like, as our pieces have talked about this week, like, hairs are a big form of self-expression and presenting who we are and feeling beautiful and looking how we want to look. So walking up to someone and being like, 
you get to do that. Like, you get to manufacture my appearance until maybe it grows out or I do something else with it. Like, you have control over how I look. That's a, like, trust thing. So I definitely think that's part of it. Uh, what am I saying? Uh, I was like, I got my, I had like longish hair for most of my life and I just got it all cut off this summer. The first place I went to was like a very feminine gender binary salon (laughs) with like, they had like ice water and tea for you to have in some magazines. I was like, this feels horrible. And then I went and got my hair cut and it was like too feminine so i was like i'm not coming back here ever again also it was really expensive which is like stupid so i switched to another place that that like brands itself as like a salon slash barbershop which is important to me like because gender that's stupid so i think it's very important that you trust your stylist very much to like be on the same wavelength as you because like there's a difference between walking to a uh, like $40 haircut salon and being like, hey, cut off all my hair. You're going to walk out looking like Michelle Williams. Whereas I went to a barber slash uh, salon place and I'm very happy with my hair now because it's basically dude hair. So there's that. <laughs> and it looks great. It does. It looks fabulous. Um, actually, though, jumping a little bit back in the conversation, you had mentioned, like, the struggles of, like, East Asian hair and how sometimes it just, like, sticks straight up and that's difficult to deal with. But our next piece is actually about natural hair, and it's from our producer, Blessing, and I really enjoy it, so we can just go ahead and play that now. About hair, naturally I think of my own, which is natural, and the journey that I've had to getting to where I am with it today. To those of you who may not know, Natural hair is generally regarded as the natural afro-textured hair of black women. And the natural hair movement, which gained a lot of traction in the 2000s, is the movement which encourages black women to wear their hair in its natural state. Being natural for most of my life, the recent exposure of natural hair on social media has made me a lot more interested in learning about my hair. When talking to others, I do hear different narratives. Ariel, a senior who I met at IU, talked to me earlier this week about her natural hair journey. Right, and I guess we're good. This might sound like a bit of a weird question, but why are you natural? Um, so I got perms, started getting perms when I was maybe six or seven, and I always hated them because they like burned, and like I liked having my hair straight, but it's just... I'm first of all I'm tender-headed, so just having that all that burn and all that uncomfortability um, was just I really hated it. So when I got in high school, I tried to talk my mom into it, but she paid for my hair, so she was like, "No, like this is how your hair is more manageable." So what I started doing is kind of like transitioning, so I wouldn't get perms as much, but I still get them sometimes. And then I would get like sew-ins or braids and stuff like yeah. that, so protective styles to like. You know, not have to get perms as much, basically. Though I did try chemically relaxing or straightening my hair for a year when I was 16, I had been natural for the majority of my life, wearing braids, twists, and other protective styles. After that year, though, I did start growing my hair out to return it to its naturalness. But this past year, I decided to fully become acquainted with my hair. Like Ariel, I have begun to wear my hair out more. And I proceeded to ask her if she preferred this. Do you prefer being natural? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a lot more work, so I'm kind of thinking about cutting my hair. But I do prefer it over perm because it's, you know, there's no chemicals to it. Yeah. My hair has grown so much. So, yeah. 
months and for the majority of the past year I've been learning how to flat twist, bantu knot, moisturise, co-wash my hair and all the while becoming increasingly aware of something. People love touching black hair. Every article, every advice blog and several vlogs on wearing your hair natural mentions this as if this is a requisite to sporting your natural hair. Luckily, back home, I was in an environment where the curious hands were mostly those of my friends whom I could easily swat away. But coming here as an exchange student from England, it's something I've noticed happens a lot more frequently. And even friends back home who've had a longer time with their natural locks have had a lot more experiences of this than me. But why? Yeah, um, I can't stand that. It's, it's weird, you know, because I wouldn't walk up to a white girl, per se, and be like, hey, can I touch your hair? Because just because it's different doesn't mean you should touch it. It's like... I'm not at a petting zoo. Um, it's okay to ask, like, okay, how's your hair like that? Or why does your hair do this while my hair does that? It's okay to ask, but don't t- ask to touch my hair because then that kind of dehumanizes me. An article in Everyday Feminist, written by Maisha Z. Johnson, pinpoints something blatantly obvious. A lack of representation means an increased curiosity. With a limited portrayal of black hair in current, and past media, there is an absence of awareness. When recently exchanging natural hair stories with a friend back in England, they mentioned to me a situation they'd experienced on a night out. While out dancing with some people, he'd been approached by a white woman who proceeded to start feeling and sinking her fingers into his hair. My friend then proceeded to turn around and do the same to her, to which she gave him the weirdest of looks and walked away. It does seem strange to enter someone's personal space without consent, Socially, it is considered wrong and weird, so why is that not the case in scenarios such as these? Um, I don't get offended when they ask. I get more offended when they just try to touch it without asking. Um, I kind of look at them like, well, why would you ask that? You know, like, so, maybe, well, actually, maybe I do get a little offended, but it's not like I'm, like, super mad. I'm just like, what? Why would you ask that? Um, why would you think that's okay? By not acknowledging the need for a person to consent, into you entering their personal space, you effectively dehumanise a person. That, along with petting, is a regular phrase I've heard from people who've had strangers sink their fingers into their hair. Yeah, I find that a lot of the word dehumanisation comes up a lot, especially, and you said petting, a lot of people are like, oh, it's not like I'm an animal. The absence in both current and historical media is evident in both the lack of easily available products for black hair and the lack of knowledge and understanding. In a store where a whole aisle is dedicated to hair care products, black hair is usually only given a small section on the end. Crazy when you consider how versatile it is. Black hair has different textures, different thicknesses, different lengths and different colours, but unfortunately it's only marketed certain products in large stores. As black hair starts to gain greater exposure, not only online but in traditional media, hopefully this will become less of a thing. Till then, feel free to ask me questions about my journey and my experiences, or use Google. But I think Arielle put it best when she said, Too, if you have a question, you ask it. You don't, you know, you don't go touching someone's hair and, and then not expecting them to get offended. So, treat me like a museum, don't touch it, <laughs> you know. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Blessing Olamorati. So, I've been harping on about gender because it's relevant to my interests. So we've talked to a lot of not-dudes, but now it's time for the dudes to take the air. Our last piece is all about guys. It comes from our producer, Hannah Boomershine. 
She had some questions she wanted answers to. For example, why is long hair so uncommon in men? From the Old Testament story of Samson and his long locks to modern-day man buns, men hair has a history tied up in culture, sexuality, and religion. Despite the prevalence for long hair for men throughout history, it has become a less popular and even deviant choice for boys and men today. This is Zach. Zach Wilkins. I'm a junior this year, and my major is entrepreneurship and corporate innovation. He's got dark brown hair just above his shoulders. I wanted to know why he started to grow out his hair. I made a bet with my friends. Um, and this was in October of last year. And our bet was the first person to cut their hair had to pay the other two $100 each. No, $50 each. Yeah, it was $50 each. And so, like, we were doing that for a while, and our hair was getting longer, and then, I don't know when it was, maybe, like, it was spring break, is when they decided to cut their hair, and they ended up paying me $50 each. And so, um, and yeah, now it's junior year, and I'm still growing it out. I've only gotten it trimmed one time, and I'm just trying to get it to shoulder length. Mm-hmm. So, it's been a year. I feel like most people have bets. It's, like, something that you don't want to do initially were you not excited about growing out your hair oh no i was really excited about it <laughs> <laughs> so how have like people around you let's start with your family how have they reacted if anything at all um i don't know at first my mom was for it but now she wants me to cut it and my dad's always wanted me to cut it but i don't know i'm not gonna cut it so yeah why do you think they want you to cut it um it just probably looks more presentable um but i feel like when it gets longer and i can tie it up it's gonna look fine mm-hmm. uh but obviously like just short hair for guys is more presentable like more professional yeah exactly and maybe i will end up cutting it just to kind of get a better um advantage of getting jobs in the future but I don't know. I get like certain stereotypes for guys. Yeah, like, yeah. like, do you have any that come to mind? Yeah, kind of like hippie, like free living type of people. But I don't know. Maybe that's mostly true, but that's not really me. Then I feel like on the other end, there are guys who are like more like sporty and like have the flow. Yes, the flow. Oh, the flow. So what are you going for? Are so, like one or the other, somewhere in between? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just. I kind of like the look, like, like oh, example, Griffin Oaks, yeah, Griffin Oaks is a kicker for IU, and we saw him at ZNC one time, and he walked past me, he's like, nice flow, man, and I've had, like, some of my fraternity brothers say, like, nice cabbage, nice lettuce, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, it's not really, like, what I'm really looking to do, or, like, not really how I see myself, I don't know, I just kind of like the look. After I got my guitar, I had to have long hair because all of the rock stars had long hair. This is Kyle Shart. I'm a musician, and I'm also a student at the Jacobs School of Music here at IU. He started playing the guitar at age nine, 
and subsequently that's when he started to grow out his hair. All of the people I listened to had long hair. Can you give an example of some of the musicians that you're thinking of? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, the one musician in particular that inspired me to pick up the guitar in the first place is Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. And everyone in Led Zeppelin has long hair. You know, everyone in ACDC had long hair. Everyone in Metallica has, well, had long hair. Can you describe your hair? Yes. Yeah, just it's parted down the middle, just right down the middle on both sides. Right now, my hair is mm, a little bit, maybe an inch below my shoulders in the back. I generally keep it tucked behind my ears. Sometimes if I do that too early after I get out of the shower, it gets kind of poofy down there. And... uh it kind of sticks out a little bit. My parents used to tell me, and they were not conservative by any means, but this was one thing that they constantly fought me on. My grandparents, uh, my uncles and aunts, and close relatives of every generation have always commented, usually in a pretty derogatory negative tone, uh, about my hair, having long hair, and about me being male. Why do you have long hair? Um, I have it for a variety of reasons. Well, I guess I'll just start with one being, I like the way it looks on me. I just think it looks good. I like it. I think it's nice and wavy. Sometimes it's nice and shiny. I think it frames my face well, and I feel beautiful with long hair. Another reason is because I just really just want to stick it to all the people that told me I can't have long hair and shouldn't have long hair and, oh, I don't know, that it's like a mop, that I look like a bum, that I'm not going to be taken seriously, that it's not in my gender's role to have long hair. I don't care what anybody says, it looks good. <laughs> From American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Hannah Boomershine. Music provided by Stingray and Westy Reflector. So, welcome back. We don't have any more pieces, but we're going to take a couple more minutes to talk about hair because we're just so excited. Um, I loved uh, the second guy in Hannah's piece. Um, just like... The whole, like, culture of hair and, like, masculinity in rock music is very relevant to my interests. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite photos of the late, great David Bowie, love of my life, the only man I would ever do anything with, uh, <laughs> is uh, him, like, sit, he's, like, first, I think it was, like, an ad for coffee in, like, the 70s, and his hair is, like, past his shoulders, it looks very soft, he looks like a renaissance lady, and it's one of my favorite things. It's like the hair he had for the album cover for The Man Who Sold the World when he's wearing a dress, and dude with long hair, I approve. Yeah, um, I was really hoping that someone would do something for this show about this new, well not new, but like this phenomenon of man buns, like on Instagram there are all these people like, there's whole accounts dedicated to like men with man buns and like that's becoming like a trendy thing now and I appreciate it because it sort of widens the options for men to grow their hair out that's all the thoughts I have on yeah. men with hair so <laughs> yeah yeah I guess um that's kind of it for our show this week 
But thanks for joining us as we explore the many different ways in which hair can affect us and provide an outlet for self-expression. And next week's show is all about fear. One of the scariest things that ever happened to me was I tried to use clippers and shaved off more hair than I planned. So. <laughs> Look at that. It all it all connects. Um, join Casey Ross for the first in a series of spooky October shows at the same time in the same place, but with all new pieces. That's all for this week's episode of American Student Radio. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. We're produced by students from Indiana University in Bloomington. Follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice and like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash American Student Radio. Our theme music is provided by Lunamatic. Check out Lunamatic's music at www.soundcloud.com slash Lunamatic. That's L-U-N-A-M-A-T-I-C. We'll have new episodes every Sunday on WIUX and streaming on our website at www.americanstudentradio.org. 